turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I just ask that as I unfold what you have shared with me, as you have quickened my heart and quickened my spirit, I ask that it will be the word of God that flows forth, that I would be permitted to simply take a back place, that it would not be me who was seen, but you, Jesus. I ask you to deal with our hearts today. I ask you to reveal to us your word, and uncover for us our confidence and our trust in our own word and cause us to repent of that confidence in our own word that your word could be lifted up, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter 17 of First Kings 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2. He has already spoken the word of the Lord out of his prayer closet in the, in the presence of the king of Israel. And now the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So the word of the Lord comes and brings judgment unto repentance. The word of the Lord comes 
and provides a safe haven and provision. And then the brook dries up. Always I have shuddered at this passage of Scripture because I always like the word of God to come before my brook dries up. But the way of God is that he always comes after the brook has dried up. Because he wants to know if I'm going to dig my own well. If I'm going to dig my own cistern. He wants to know if I'm going to depend upon him. Some of you have a brook that has just dried up for you. You're right in line with the will of God. Now wait for his word. Verse 7, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath at Sidon and stay there. Zarephath at Sidon. That's Jezebel's hometown. So God is sending Elijah to hide out in the black widow's spider web. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So once more, the word of the Lord comes, and the result is safe haven and provision. I want you to get this picture. Elijah stands before the king and speaks the word of the Lord. And the result of that spoken word is is to take away supply and provision from God's people and cause famine to come on the land. The same word of God comes to him and says, go to the brook and the ravens are going to feed you. And that brings provision and safe haven. Again, the word of the Lord comes and it brings provision, and safe haven. So the word of God can bring famine and judgment, or the word of God can bring provision and safe haven. It's the word of the Lord that brings both. Now watch. He comes to Zarephath, and there at the town gate is a widow. She's gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me a piece of bread. Now he's already asking for the precious commodity of water. And there's a famine and water is in short supply. It is like gold. But not only is he asking for water, he's asking for bread. He's asking for all that she has. She replies, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first... Make a small cake of bread for me, 
from what you have and bring it to me and then make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Again, I want you to see that it's the word of the Lord that brings provision. This woman could not do anything. She was preparing to eat her last meal with her son, a meager meal, and die. And there are some who would take this scripture and twist it out of context and say, Now, if you want to plant your dollar with me, you will have a multiplication of your blessing and you will gain a great benefit. The problem with that is this only occurs when the word of the Lord speaks it. Not when a false prophet speaks it. Not when a charlatan speaks it. The word of the Lord was involved in this. What I want you to see is that poverty can be a result of the word of God. And provision and safe haven are also the result of the word of the living God. It depends on which end of the stick you are. Walking in faith and obedience and humility and submission. Or walking in pride and arrogance and hardness of heart so that God has to bring a Mount Carmel into your life. Now, I have to tell you, God has brought many Mount Carmels into my life. He's brought famine. He's brought every kind of disaster. And he's caused me to go before him and lay on my face for days and months and years and cry aloud to him until the fire came and the deliverance was provided. You see, we would rather avoid all of this. And we would rather just be over here with Ahab doing business and having our little religious ways, having all of our rituals, having all of our lifestyle, having everything just go on as normal. And God, leave me alone. Give me a chance to get ahead here. But always God's people are praying against this kind of position. If they're not praying against this kind of position... They're in line for judgment under repentance. I mean, God is going to draw to his heart his people. And he's going to draw them through the word of the Lord. So as we walk in the spirit, cooperate with the word of God and pray into it. And hear the heart of God. The heart of God may be to bring famine. Or it may be to provide that cruise of oil and that flour that will never run out. Now, I always want the cruise of oil that will never run out. But if I have it, I'll be Ahab. Hebrews 12 says the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he disciplines by bringing judgment unto repentance. Now watch. 
chapter 18. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now, wait a minute. Elijah has been before King Ahab, and he has spoken the word of the Lord. He now flees for his life. The brook dries up. He goes to the widow at Zarephath. He is now at the widow of Zarephath's house. What is he supposed to be doing with his time and his energy? Well, obviously, he should be converting the town of Sidon, the nation. He should be holding evangelistic meetings. He should be passing out tracts. He should be holding Bible studies. I mean, he should be doing something entrepreneurial and contributing to the cause of God. That's not what the Lord told him to do. In fact, the Lord didn't tell him to do anything except eat every day. The Lord didn't tell him to do anything. Now, I hear some of you say, God's not talking to me. It's hard to hear God talking when he's not talking. And he wasn't talking to his servant for three years. Do you know how long three years are? Meanwhile, the famine is getting worse. All of the resources are drying up. The cattle are dying off and having to be sold to other nations. The sheep herds are being decimated. He's watching from afar as he hears the gossip in the news as the nation of Israel is being destroyed and he's hiding out in Jezebel's home country. He's not even in Israel. He's not even on the land of God. He's on the outside looking in. And what's he waiting for? The word of the Lord. He's waiting on the word of the Lord. Oh, dear Lord, you know how desperately I need this. You know I want to be used by you. You know, oh Lord, would you answer my prayer? Lord, it's been a 24-hour period and you haven't answered my prayer. What's wrong? Must be sin in my heart. What? There's no sin in Elijah's heart. Remember, Elijah is the servant and God is the master. We keep getting that mixed up. We think that we're the master And God should bring the buggy by and give us our goodies. I mean, he's the bellhop. So God, come on by and give me what I want. You know, I've got a life. This is a one-time deal. This is not a rehearsal. I want to maximize my potential. I want to use my time in such a way that it will count for something. I've got souls to save, God. 
I've got a work to be done, God. What's this three-year business sitting out here with the widow of Zarephath? You know, I signed up to be your prophet, God. I didn't sign up to be a boarder in a pagan woman's house. Why don't you talk to me, God? No, Elijah didn't do any of that. I can tell you what Elijah was doing. He was in his prayer closet. God wasn't talking. So Elijah was talking. And his life was being transformed. He was being lifted into the presence of the Lord. You know, there are some times when my sweetheart and I just don't talk to each other. But there's a sweetness between us that no words are necessary. Do you know the difference between being put in the freezer? Do you know what I mean? Where you're mad at one another and you're not talking. Or when you're not mad and you love each other and you're not talking. Well, Elijah was in the prayer closet and he didn't need to hound God for a word. He knew God would speak when God got ready to speak. And in the meantime, he just wanted to be in his presence. Now, Elijah was not going out nine to five working. He was not building his home equity. He was not increasing his stock portfolio. His life was going by and he was not getting any richer. He was waiting on God. How long are you willing to wait on God? Remember Moses? Moses waited on God for 40 years. He waited for God to speak for 40 years. God finally spoke, but it was in a burning bush. And then he told him to take his shoes off and stand in the hot burning sand in his bare feet. I'm sure he was dancing, trying to save his feet. Not a very dignified place to be. What I'm hoping you're having seep into your heart as I'm sharing all of this. The word of God brings famine. The word of God brings safe provision. The word of God is the prime mover. Not you and not me. The word of God is bringing the crisis in Israel. Not Elijah. The word of God is bringing famine. Not Elijah. After a long time, 
chapter 18, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go. Boy, has he been waiting for that word. Go. Present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. He presents himself. He's accused of being a troubler of Israel. He answers in verse 18, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands or the Lord's word and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. I want you to see the difference. He is saying you have abandoned the Lord's words and have followed the Baals. Baal was the god of the underworld who when he arose and came up out of the underworld, he brought, according to the lie, rain, which blessed the agrarian culture so that crops could be produced. He was pictured holding thunderbolts, flashes of lightning in his hand. Now, listen to the difference. If you worship the Baal God, you can influence this Baal God to do what you want him to do. (laughs) And so they had the temple prostitutes who would come and perform lewd acts because that would attract Baal. He would come up from the underworld in response to these lewd acts. He would then do the same thing with Ashtoreth, his mother, and the result would be rain would come from the skies. In other words, they believed that by entrepreneurially dealing with Baal, they could cause a certain result to occur. You recognize this is witchcraft. You recognize that witchcraft is when I go through a course of action saying rituals or through certain ceremonial processes I manipulate the spiritual realm to force it to provide for me what I desire. And so today in the church, we have people who would say, oh, don't say anything negative because if you do, your word of faith will have power and it'll come to pass. Because your word of faith influences the spiritual realm and you get what you speak. That's witchcraft. It's Baal worship. Or the teaching that's common is make positive affirmations, put a picture up on your refrigerator of that Rolls Royce that you desire, and say every day, you are mine, you are mine. It's witchcraft. It's Baal worship. Now, I want to draw a clear distinction for you today 
Baal worship is identified as my being the initiator, and I then, through my actions, cause Baal to respond and give to me what I desire. On the other hand, the word of the Lord comes, and the word of the Lord is the initiator. The word of the Lord is the one that creates the reality either of poverty and famine or of abundance. And it is according to his word, and I can't manipulate that. If I can manipulate God and seduce God into doing what I want him to do, then he is on the same plane as the devil. And the Lord God of heaven is not on that plane. He is the creator God of the heaven and the earth. And all things are according to his word. Not according to my word. Now the word of the Lord comes. Mount Carmel takes place. Here's the contest. Verse 24. You call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people say, that's a good test. Now the prophets of Baal begin the bloody processes of self-mutilization as they try to entice Baal to respond to their cries, they slash themselves with knives. You see the same processes taking place in Iraq, in Iran, in various Muslim countries, where they try to attract the attention of their God by cutting themselves and beating themselves, trying to seduce their God into answering them. Midday passed, they continue their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. There was no response and no one answered and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, verse 30, come here to me. They came to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which is in the ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one from each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel, or overcomer. Now please hear me. The word of God has come to us today, not to say, I'm going to make you a millionaire. The word of God has come today to say, I'm going to make you an overcomer. I'm going to cause you to be victorious in the blood of Jesus Christ. At that altar, at that sacrifice, where the blood of Jesus was spilled, the fire of God is going to fall. The Holy Spirit is going to come. And you are going to have victory over sin. Today, the popular teaching in the body of Christ is that you come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but he won't deliver you from your sin. You have to continue to live in your bondage until you gain heaven. 
And at that time, they say you're going to be changed in a twinkling. In the meantime, you're going to be a carnal Christian. That's a lie. The call of Jesus Christ is a call of bloodshed and atonement to cover our sin. Then the coming of the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit applies that blood to our hearts and sets us free from every bondage. Heals our wounds and our afflictions. Empowers us to speak the word of God. Moves in our families and heals our brokenness. Returns us to a sane mind. That's the word of the Lord. No, there's so much in this story that I want to talk about, but I can't. I have to take you quickly to chapter 19. There's a great deliverance. The fire of God falls. Revival has now started. The prophets of Baal are slain. Ahab tells Jezebel, his wife, everything that has happened. And Jezebel sends a message to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Verse 3, this is 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now, we have become accustomed to hearing the word of the Lord from Elijah. Now I want you to hear the word of Elijah. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He's whining. He's running. He's complaining. He's bitter. I want you to see the difference. When he stands before King Ahab and he speaks the word of God, when he comes to the widow of Zarephath and he speaks the word of God, there is a clear sound to the bell. There is a clarity of tone. There is a strength resident in the word. But now there's only whining with many words and no power. What's he do when he finishes giving his little wine job? He lays down and falls asleep. His word exhausts him. God's word empowers him. So God has to send an angel to feed him. This wasn't part of the sermon, but I have to say it. Every one of us have come to a point in our lives where we have not spoken God's word. Instead, we've spoken our own word. And this story gives me incredible courage. After having spoken God's word so powerfully, he now sinks down and speaks his own word miserably. And God in his mercy sends an angel to strengthen him. So when you get caught speaking your own word, don't go into self-condemnation. 
just go ahead and go to sleep. <laughs> At night, when you feel like quitting, just go to bed. It's enough. It's enough. Stop your complaining and just go to bed and get some sleep. Because when you awaken, God will have sent an angel to strengthen you. I tell you, that's the mercy of God. That's the overwhelming compassion and mercy of the living God of heaven. That after having spoken my word of whining, laying down to sleep, he'll come and awaken me and feed me and give me drink. I'm sure he carried that food all the way from heaven. It was manna. It was the bread of life. Isn't that an awesome miracle of grace? Any of you in the whining period? And you need to be fed the bread of God. Praise God. Open your mouth wide. He's ready to feed you. Now let's come back to the message. I want you to look with me at the book of John, the first chapter. I'm going to share several scriptures with you. I want you to catch this. John, the first chapter, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Look at Revelation, the 19th chapter, verse 13. Revelation 19, verse 13. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Now let's put this together quickly. Elijah stands before Ahab. And he speaks the word of God. The word of God comes to Elijah and says, Go to the brook Cherith, and there will be water, and the ravens will feed you. The word of God comes to Elijah and says, Go to the widow of Zarephath, and she will feed you and shelter you. The word of God comes to him after three years and says, present yourself to Ahab. What are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and spoke to Elijah. Jesus Christ came and said, go to the brook Cherith. Jesus Christ came and said, go to the widow of Zarephath. This was Jesus. The word of God is Jesus. 
So when I speak my word out of my mouth, I'm speaking Ray Greenlee's word. And it has no power and it has no authority. But when I speak the word of God out of my mouth, I'm speaking Jesus out of my mouth. And Jesus comes and takes up residence in my body. And in my body then flows the spirit of the living God. So that when I speak him, there is power. His power. When I go into the prayer closet and I begin to speak the word of God in the prayer closet instead of my word of whining, my prayer suddenly will become inflamed with power. I will be quickened in the spirit and I will see concrete things happening in the physical realm as a result of my prayer life because in my prayer closet I'm speaking Jesus Christ. That's why I am so desirous of you to begin to lay aside speaking everything or lay aside speaking anything except Jesus. To no longer speak the lies of our culture, to no longer speak out of your mouth the affirmations of darkness, to no longer speak out of your heart your own complaining And your own wants, but to speak out of your heart the word of God, who is Jesus. We're told if we follow Jesus, we must walk as Jesus walked. In other words, now I want you to recognize that Jesus becomes everything for us. The reason our word has no power is that it's coming out of our own ego and out of our own life and out of our own desire. It's not coming out of Jesus. When we begin to speak Jesus' word, we'll see healings happen. What happened when Jesus walked upon the earth and he saw a blind man? He spoke his word and the blind man was healed. When Peter and John were coming in the gate beautiful and saw this crippled man, And said, silver and gold have we not, such as we have we give unto you. What were they speaking? What did they have? They had Jesus on their lips. They spoke Jesus. And the man was healed. So now, I'm facing a grave Difficulty. I'm facing a grave financial problem. I'm facing a grave health problem. I'm facing a sin that just can't be dealt with. I can speak my word to a bondage of sin from now until eternity, and that bondage of sin will not be broken. But if I begin to speak Jesus Christ to that sin, it is broken, and I am set free. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So this word that Elijah spoke, the word that came to Elijah, became flesh and dwelt among us. This is our Lord. This is Jesus. 
And then he said, it will be well for you if I go back. Because if I go back to heaven, I'll send the comforter to you. And what's the comforter going to do? It's going to convict of sin. So one of the ways you're going to know you're speaking God's word is when what you speak convicts others of sin. If there is no conviction of sin because of the word that is coming out of your mouth, it's because you are not speaking Jesus. You are speaking yourself. It's my desire that this word who was with God in the beginning and through whom all things were made, it's my desire that that light would shine in the darkness and that the darkness would not be able to overtake it or overcome it. And the word I speak to you today is that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is fully God and he is fully man. And he has brought us into his family. And he has loved us with an everlasting love. His mercy has been poured out for us. And now he wants to come and dwell in us. And he wants to pour forth from our mouths... Life, not death. And so I ask you to review the words that you have spoken over the last 24 hours. Have those words been words of life? Have the words been Jesus? Or have the words been a selfish wine full of bitterness and self, full of darkness? Have you been filled with unbelief? Do you still believe the lie that you have the power and the capability to cause Baal to give you what you desire? Are you still trusting in your job and in your skill for your resources? Are you still trusting in the ways of the world? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ? Now, this whole journey began for me on this issue. This whole journey began with an unbelief in my heart that grew so large that I could no longer see the face of God. where I came to a place where I had to say, is there even a God out there? Because he doesn't answer my prayers, and the heart is cold and stony. The sweetness of God is no longer in my spirit. I'm a self-serving, desperate man looking for a way out. And I began to cry aloud to God, And he began to confront me with this question. Am I trustworthy? 
Will you trust me, Ray? He snared me. Because the question is not, can I trust God? The question is, can God trust me? I thought it was God who was untrustworthy. It was me who was untrustworthy. It wasn't God who was off track. It was me. God's word was still powerful. God's word was still cutting. God's word would still bring conviction of sin. God's word still healed brokenness. God's word still was provision. But I was so far away from God in my religious life that I saw no evidence of his mercy. And as he has challenged me on this point more and more strongly as the years have gone by, I now simply confess before you, my word has no power, my word has no authority, but the word of Jesus Christ has full authority and full power. And I trust him. I trust him. I trust him to work out all the circumstances of my life. And if he wants me camped over here with the widow of Zarephath for three years, and he doesn't speak for three years, it's all right. I'm going to wait for God. If he calls us as a national prayer chapel to be on springs of living water and it requires daily going to that radio broadcast and seeing no result, it's okay. Because it's not about being successful. It's about the word of the Lord. It's about Jesus. Now, I simply have to confess this, that this is so painful and so difficult for me because from the first day I grabbed from my baby bottle, I've been grabbing for everything for me. And the Lord has had to discipline and discipline and discipline me to say, stop grabbing for you and grab for me. Grab a sinner by the neck and drag him out of the fire. Grab somebody and drag him out of the fire and the bitterness. Drag him into my presence. I'll heal him. I'll restore them. I'll cover them. So daily, I wait on the word of the Lord. I wait for Jesus. I wait for the word to be preached. I wait for the word to be shared on the radio. I wait for the word for every penny I spend. I wait for the word of the Lord for FM. I wait for the Lord. I wait upon the Lord. It's his word that brings famine. It's his word that brings provision. 
I wait on him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. I wait upon you. For you are the word of the Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus. I pray, Jesus, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that you will give me my daily bread. I pray that you will forgive me for my debts as I forgive my debtors. Oh, mighty God, I wait on your word. Your word is like honey. Lord God, mighty God, would you cause me to search after your word that it's more precious than gold or silver. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Just know that Jesus